Hi, I'm Batsheva Frankel from Overthrowing Education, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Sean Roy. He's the founder and CEO of Yellowdig, a learning platform designed to help college and universities K-12 schools, and corporate organizations. Oh, what a great conversation. So much to learn, and I can't thank you enough for listening. But you know what would be really cool is if you went to my website, stephenmaletto.com slash reviews, and left a review. Could you do that for me? Thanks so much. You're awesome. Enjoy the show. Boone Titanium Rings, found on the web at boonrings.com, is an affiliate partner of Teaching Learning Leading K-12. And I'm also a customer. I have this really cool ring that's got these carved pistons and, and stars in it. I love it. They make rings of titanium that are carved, laser cut, and engraved, as well as they have inlays of many types of materials like meteorite, acrylic, wood, carbon fiber, and so many other types. They also have special collections that are incredible designs. One of the top sellers are the Gamer Rings, the Stealth Series, and the Black Zirconium. As a note, they also make earrings, pendants, cufflinks, and for you musicians, they make cool trumpet mouthpieces. Love it. Go to boonrings.com and at checkout, use my code. Capital T, capital L, capital L, capital K, number 12, and you'll get 10% off your purchase. So go check them out. I love my ring, and I know that you will love yours. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators. Helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Sean Roy is the founder and CEO of Yellowdig. Yellowdig is a community-driven, active learning platform adopted by over 130 colleges and universities, K-12 schools, and corporate training clients. Yellowdig's mission is to transform every classroom into an active, social, and experiential learning community. Shonak graduated with a degree in mechanical engineering from IIT Bombay and completed his graduate studies at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, which is really cool, by the way. <laughs> the, uh, prior, to, uh, prior to founding Yellowdig, Shonak spent a decade advising global companies on technology, strategy, and growth. Shonak, it's so great that you're here today. Thanks for joining me today, and say hi to everyone. Hello, everybody. Uh, Stephen, great to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you here, and this is awesome talking with you. And, and let's start by explaining what Yellow Dig is. I mean, what's its why? What's its purpose? So our purpose is to make learning more enjoyable and fun. Um, you know, as you said, it's a social-emotional learning platform, which, you know, creates communities in every learning environment. You know, could it be a classroom? You can think of it like a classroom engagement tool. Uh, but uh, the ultimate goal for us is to make uh, learning more fun and more experiential for the learners. That's that, that's awesome. You know, I mean, where where the inspiration come from? You know, my, my story is, you know, I kind of spent almost a decade in uh, various corporate roles. And, you know, back in 2015, I kind of decided that I wanted to start my own company. That has been a goal for a long time, you know, growing up, my dad was an entrepreneur himself. So I kind of saw growing, you know, growing up, saw him build things and I wanted to build something on my own. So when I started Yellowdig, one of my questions was, okay, what I'm passionate about, something that I can actually put years and years to build it because I knew that it's going to take a long time. 
Um, and I am passionate about education. You know, education is something that has got me here. I grew up in India, came all the way from, you know, grew up in India, did my schooling there, came to the U.S., did my studies and worked here for a bunch of years. Works, you know, worked around the world in uh, three other continents. Um, so I, I kind of always see myself as a lifelong learner and I enjoy the process of learning. And I also felt that sometimes, you know, um, at least for myself, I went through a lot of experiences where I learned, but I didn't quite enjoy it, especially being in those classrooms. Um, and I thought that maybe technology, given where we are in this kind of era where everything in the world, in some sense, is being driven by technology. If you think about e-commerce or, you know, education, you know, starting to get into technology, but so many sectors, every sector is being impacted by technology. So I thought that how can I apply technology, which is my another love, into better learning? And that was the kind of, I would say, the origination story of Yellow Day. Very cool. Very cool. It's, it, it's really neat when someone is able to make a, a dream, a thought, uh, an idea become real. <laughs> and uh, I mean, when you went uh, live on that website the first time, uh, kind of go, you know, kind of geek out a little bit. All right. <laughs> <laughs> It, it took it took us a long time though. Uh, you know, it was a it was a I would say it started with a dream, and then kind of over time it morphed into some sort of a mission. Uh, but and we have been at it for the last seven and, and almost getting into eight years now. And I'm glad that now we have uh, you know put together a company, a team, clients who see some value in our product and services. So excited about it. And uh, but yeah, it was it was a long journey to, in some sense to come to this point. That's awesome. So cool. I, 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 do you look at, you know, I know I said in the introduction about the different groups that you talk, um, that you focus on, but do you look at connecting with students or are you more focused on schools and universities or, you know, the training with the other organizations? Yeah. So we love to connect with students because, you know, one of the things we have done in our platform is to design it for the students. Um, you know, if you think about education technology, you know, going back to learning management systems and various other systems that schools, universities, you know, companies have even adopted, were designed for the instructor or sometimes the administration to solve problems around how do I deliver, let's say, online learning or how do I keep a system of records, maybe grades or people who are taking, you know, which students are taking which courses. That was a big portion of how they designed those systems. Um, when we started with Yellow Day, one of the things we kind of were quite sure about is that we want to design just for the students and then work backwards to make it useful and valuable for the instructors, for the teachers, and then more valuable for the institution. So that is why we always love to talk to students. Just yesterday, we had a webinar where we invited students from like four different universities uh, come and just hang out with us for an hour and talk about their feelings about using yellow dig. And I, I, we always find that we, we learn a lot more about from those conversations and, and many other conversations that we have with instructors and institutions. That's cool. I bet, I bet it is neat uh, listening to them talk and uh, converse about what's going on. And that those are always awesome opportunities, I think. So very cool. Uh, all right. So if I'm a student or if I'm a school or if I'm a corporate entity, what do, what type of technology do I have to have? Do I have some, have to some, Bunch of whole bunch of stuff, or, or uh, I mean, what is it you gotta gotta have to use this? Yeah, no, we we make it very simple when it comes to the technology. 
most of the work happens is to adopt the technology to see the impact that you would want to see, which is where we work with the institution, the instructors and the schools. So just to give an example, you know, the way Yellowdig is designed is it does not change the existing course design. Um, so instructors have been designing any courses and we can take any subject area. It kind of iterates over the time and it has a lot of personality of that instructor baked into that design, a lot of the cases. So our approach is to not to change that because that takes a lot of effort, a lot of redesign, but just simply to add on top of that. So Yellowdig forms this 24-7 community where the students can interact with one another, share ideas, answer questions, do debates, um, you know, get feedback from the instructor whenever they want to, almost on an organic way, doesn't matter what subject area they're actually teaching and learning in, in that moment. So, so just because it is almost like an add-on to any course or any program, it's easy to implement. So from a kind of nuts and bolts standpoint, we can integrate our platform with an existing learning management system that the school is using. Could be Canvas, Blackboard, Sakai, Moodle, any of them, if they're using one, so that the students just have to click a button and they join the community, uh, the Yellowdick community for that particular course or program. We already take them there and it's already designed based on that course. And I can get into that. Um, so that's a very seamless integration. But if you're not using any LMS, if you're just teaching you know, over Zoom, you can use us as a standalone platform uh, where you know, we will create a community and that will become your almost like your uh, area where students will you know, actually have the interaction. Um, and more importantly, not synchronously, more asynchronously. So given it's a community, um, you know, if you are with your students in a classroom, you are already having that interaction and, you know, you cannot really replace a live interaction or an interaction over Zoom. So you can still use Yellowdig on the side, but it's not the primary purpose of the platform. The primary purpose, purpose is connecting the learners asynchronously under a certain set of best practices, which are all kind of baked into our design to be able to having this like organic 24-7 engagement that most of our students are used to, by the way, they, all of them live in the social world. It's just that when it comes to classes, they don't view classrooms like that. They view classrooms as somewhere I've just appeared, do my thing. And then, then I go back to my, you know, Twitter or, you know, you know, LinkedIn or not LinkedIn per se, but most maybe TikTok or some other platform. So we're using the, the behavior they already used to being in the social world, but kind of applying into the course design so that they are more engaged into those courses. That is excellent. And, and it's, it's, Cool thinking about this because we're going to get to some questions in a little bit about technology and how it's changed, you know, kind of what we do in, in education. But uh, um, I, I love this this talk here. This is this is awesome. I so I got to ask this. I mean, if if you're a, it's got to be a little bit different for each of the levels. But uh, for the most part, I mean, how do you get started if you wanted to? If if someone listening today is going, I I want to check this out. Um, how do they get started once they go and look and say, this is for me. So the, what you do is go to our website, which is yellowrig.co, and you will find a way to submit uh, a request to get access. Um, there is no way for you to actually sign up from the website. There's something we might launch in the next couple of years, but right now you have to con contact us and we will reach out. Some of, one of our team members will reach out and set it up for you. Um, it takes literally half an hour to kind of get going. It's very simple, but you know we have an academic team that will work with you to kind of make sure that 
um, you know, the technology part is easy, but the implementation and the management of that is kind of well-designed. So we have a course that we typically recommend that you can take asynchronously on your own and kind of get to know the platform, get to know how it works and how it can, you know, impact your students. Excellent. So, so I got to ask, do you have like more schools, universities, or do you do a lot of, I mean, corporate training? I mean, is there something that's more, you know, you do more of than the other or, or is it all about the same? It's designed in a way so that it can work in every environment. It uh, doesn't matter the age group of the students that you're teaching or you're learning. Um, it doesn't matter because, you know, fundamentally we as humans love to learn as a group um, and, you know, exchange knowledge with one another. So we have now use cases across the board from universities to K-12 to corporate training. From an adoption standpoint, we actually started with universities. That was our biggest kind of adoption space. And the way we got into K-12 is an interesting story, actually. We were not selling into schools, but a lot of our teachers were doing their uh, certifications or their pro master's programs in school of education in various schools that are using us. They actually got introduced to Yellowdig through those schools uh, that when they were actually students and they actually brought it to their own classrooms in K-12. Um, that, that's something that kind of happened in the last couple of years. And, and we are starting to kind of do more with K-12 now as a result. That's excellent. It's always nice when you have a something, a nice little side benefit that happens all of a sudden where, uh, and that makes sense too. I can see the students going, Hey, we're using it in college. Why can't we use this in the schools we're working in? So very cool. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, that that's, and we love it because, you know, when our students actually bring it, they already know the platform. So they can, they can really implement in the right way based on their environment. So it's a win-win. That is awesome. So, so let's kind of shift now to some other topics. Um, that's kind of the world that yellow day exists in. I mean, one of the things that I, I, you know, you guys talk about is you talk about active and engaged learning. Um, what is that and why does it matter? You know, so the, the interesting thing is this, and I'll tell you the story. I have two daughters. I'm a seven year and I'm a 12 year old. And I've always seen this, that when they are, you know, playing games, like video games is a big thing. You know, they always love to play games. There's so many games they to play and they're always excited about it, right? They're always involved. They're not just sitting and watching. They're kind of playing, they're failing and they're figuring it out and kind of how to win that level, go to the next level. And it's always exciting. Like it's almost like hard to pull them out of it. And it's not mine. I mean, everybody, all my friends and people I speak with, they all have that experience with their kids, their children. Uh, but when it comes to, you know, do that assignment for your class, uh, you know, submit it, they will wait till the last moment, like till it's due. It's almost like there's no fun involved. I just have to do it to get a grade, right? If I don't do it, I won't get a grade, right? So that's the feeling typically. And, and one of the reasons is that a lot of classroom environments are very passive in nature and no offense to instructors, teachers, because I, I think our teachers does a wonderful job, but it's very, very hard to get everybody engaged every student engaged, right? I mean, our teachers are focused in the classroom, trying to make it fun, various ways. And it, there's a tremendous amount of work that goes on to make those learning environments active, as we all know. But it's almost impossible the moment that the students leave the classroom, right? I mean, if you give them an assignment, just do it by Sunday night. I mean, there has to be something in that assignment that is tremendously exciting. I mean, sometimes there are, but it's very, very hard to do. We solve that problem. So what we do is that, given there is a community involved. So all the students are always talking to one another. So it's naturally an engaging environment because they get to hear from their classmates in our platform. 
The other thing we have done is that we have a patent on it, which is we have gamified that experience, almost like a video game, where you want points for participation. So there's no judgment involved. Nobody gets a grade because they participated in our platform, but they get a point just for the effort they put in. And what we have found is that that drives very interesting um, behavior patterns in that any, any, any classroom environment, because people start to get creative. They start to share things that are interesting to their peers, not only the instructors. Um, and given it's asynchronous, there's a lot more time available. Like somebody can actually write up something, you know, that may or may not be able to speak up in the classroom, right? Given, you know, maybe like shy or whatever reason, they cannot speak up. And we know that lots of those things happen in those classrooms, but those students become more vocal in our platform. So all of that together um, drives this whole active, engaged environment that doesn't come together. So a couple of things we do, like more than half the students actually have spoken with everybody else in the classroom. So we try to drive more peer-to-peer -peer interaction in our platform through gamification. Um, we find students are more sharing their experiences um, in terms of projects that they're working on, are there something they read because of one of the projects or something they heard in the class? And that kind of makes them more involved because they are now more committed because it's no longer like, oh, I go to my classroom, I do my homework. Now I actually see how this is connected to whatever life I'm living in or whatever projects I'm working on. So that's how we try to drive that engagement environment and especially doing it asynchronously give us a lot more opportunity to reach as many students as possible. That's excellent. I appreciate it. Yeah, that it's it's one of the things you know forever is that uh, teachers have talked about trying to get uh, kids engaged in the classroom and uh, and you know and it's funny because you're also talking about not just kids. You're talking about university kids, and you're also talking about uh, however the adults exist in the rest of the, whatever other part of the world is connected to you. And uh, um, and I and I love that because you got to you got to find some way to make them do more than just like they're doing to get it done, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, the, the other interesting thing, this is what we find uh, given we are, you know, working with so many schools now is there's always this hesitation from instructors that maybe the kids are not going to do, or the students are not going to really contribute if they have an opportunity. Uh, primarily because a lot of instructors see this habit in students where they would not do the bare minimum, right? So it's always a question is that if I, give too much stuff, maybe the top 10% will do it, but the bottom 30% would not even come and touch. And so there is a huge discrimination that's going to happen in my class. So maybe I designed for the bare minimum so that, you know, everybody does something, which is okay, but then also it reduces the, the opportunities of like really making it interesting. But interestingly, a very key dynamic we see in our platform is once the students have more agency around sharing and actually contributing without being judged. We don't give grades on contribution. The, the grades are essentially tied to high quality contribution that those teachers will can assign like badges and accolades and things like that. We see much more innovation happening actually. Kids who are like typically unsure of themselves that whether they can actually speak up something and say something interesting are suddenly finding that they can and they may have something interesting to say because maybe 10 of the kids actually liked what they had to share that never has happened to them, right? So this dynamic is very interesting. And we are finding that uh, more agency leads to really good outcomes, uh, as long as it's in a controlled environment, which is what we create in Yellow Day. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I got I, I to gotta ask you this, because one of the things in the, 
um, you know, the, the difficulty out there is uh, the types of tech that might be available in some schools. So, you know, why do you think most schools are still using old, um, unfriendly tech and what can be done about it? You know, that, that's a very good question. And I've been trying to figure that out as well. You know, the challenge in, if you think about the, the side of the school, right, the challenge is that, you know, of course, there are budget limitations, right? I mean, there's always that question about whether there's budget to try new things, but it's also scaling up existing technology in the right way. Like a lot of schools have LMS, but they have a hard time to make that, you know, used by a lot of instructors because there's a lot of training. So I, I think there are two pieces to that. One piece is to be able to adopt new technology, which are safe to use, which are compliant. Like for example, we are FERPA compliant, ADA compliant, um, and data security compliant so that the data that we collect on the students are never used for something which is not for you know teaching and learning that particular student. So that piece has to be well, you know, kind of designed. And you know, there are companies like us which are doing that now, which are building technology just for learners so that you know, traditional B2B companies like Facebook, LinkedIn hasn't done it, right? Which is why you can't use those platforms, but that's happening more and more. The other piece I see is the training, which is even though you have good technologies available, doesn't mean that's going to have the right impact on the students. Um, and that piece around actually having uh, programs and professional development opportunities for the students and for the, for the instructors, to be able to use a variety of tools and design the right experience for them is non-trivial. Uh, and I think a lot of schools have underinvested in that area for a long time. And I, we are seeing that's kind of changing fast, by the way. Um, I think there's a lot of learning happening right now. So I, I, I would say, I mean, we are on the right path. It's just that we have to kind of focus more on getting actually student-driven technologies, which are compliant, as well as, you know, more training for instructors to be able to use them. Nice. I, just as a note, I was a uh, teacher in a building where, now this is a while ago, all right, so I do recognize that, but we had a mishmash of stuff until they, they went to the community and actually passed us, Blost or something, and that allowed them to, to create uh, some money for, for get, making it all happen together. But uh, in our building, we had uh, uh, Max, Mac Classics. Do you remember the Tower Max? Uh, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. we had the the brand new Apples that had come, the Macintoshes that had come out, and then we had some PCs that were like three eighty sixes or four eighty sixes. And by the way, boy, those things were slow compared to where we are today. But <laughs> you know, it's funny because the until the the community really kind of came together to say our high school, our schools need to have something better than this. And, you know, it, we literally were working on all this technology that was just it really, even by the time it's in our building, it's, it's outdated completely. So, you know, that's a, that's a big deal. It is. I mean, I, I think the, I mean, having the funding available to have actual access to technology, like mostly software to a large extent is important the other thing I've seen is that, you know, like, for example, we are a web technology, right? So all we need is a browser to work. We don't need anything else. Um, so having kind of, you know, making sure that the students have that device, most students are increasingly having it. I mean, that's probably the least, I mean, I would say there's so much investment getting into our education right now, but that is probably the highest ROI investment, like getting every student one device that actually works, maybe comes with a Wi-Fi so that you can access technology, maybe limited basis. Um, you know, Google and others have various other technologies out there. So I think that is a solvable problem. And I think that's getting solved fast. 
The training piece, I, I do feel one thing though, is that, you know, a lot of teachers we find are so innovative. You know, they've been teaching in the classroom, but they're also tech savvy and they're, or they're learning the new technologies and they have a real good understanding of the classroom dynamics. They can actually, you know, figure out ways to use these technologies and design it for the school. So this whole instructional design side of things, I mean, it's a new area right now, but I think a lot of teachers who, you know, who are teaching right now, maybe they don't want to teach. Maybe they want to kind of, you know, do something else in life. I mean, this is a great area for them to get into, I would say, instructional design where they can connect the dots between good technology and good pedagogical practices and kind of how do you connect them and kind of help the school out. Um, could be, an, I mean, I'm seeing more and more instructors getting in that direction, but it could be a great thing that can happen for us. That's, yeah, I can imagine. I can only imagine. And actually what you just mentioned is going to lead me to where I wanted to go next, which is, you know, and especially that would be one way that it would help transform it if your instructors are going, hey, this is pretty cool and I'm going to go into this part of the world. But, you know, what do you think is the possibility of technology and design and, you know, transforming education to actually take it to a different level? What do you think? Yeah, no. So in terms of technology and education, I, I, I truly believe one thing, which is technology can only solve part of the puzzle. The other big puzzle is the pedagogy or the pedagogical practices, because a teacher is not just reading a textbook, right? The teacher is taking the textbook and kind of really make it come live for the students so that they can really connect to that subject matter, right? Same as technology. The technology is like a textbook, maybe well-designed, but somebody has to really think about it implementing and using in a way so that it actually is more valuable for the students. So, so I think these two things are very important and both are kind of equally have its own rights. Like we need good technology, which is easy to use and doesn't suck basically like students can go and do things. And on the other side, we need pedagogical research where, and there are a lot of learning research, by the way, has happened over the last 30, 40 years. I mean, there are, really good materials out there where people are done research on active learning and how to use active learning in the classroom and how to make sure that the students are learning and retaining and they're so socially emotionally connected and how to implement social emotional connections for learning outcome. There are so much of research that has happened. And part of the challenge is that a lot of that research is kind of either living in some books or is implemented in one or two courses. It hasn't scaled well, right? Because any manual practice is very hard to scale. Like some teachers does very well, but maybe for a few courses, but they, it doesn't translate to other teachers doing it. But the benefit of technology is that if you can merge these things through like good technology and good pedagogical practices and design it well, it can scale. You know, we, we have clients now where they started with a few courses. Now they're implementing us across hundreds and thousands of courses now. And going from a few course and getting it right to a thousand course is a matter of year or two. And that wasn't possible without technology. I think that is the real opportunity in technology is to scale really high quality pedagogical practices using good technology experiences. Um, and, and I think we are in the early, early stages of that right now, but I, I expect to see that's going to be a big transformation happening in the next like four, five years or so. I like that. I like that. You know, one of the things that, uh, um, I mean, we haven't gotten into this, but one of the things that, uh, people talk about is that, uh, you know, there's some difficulties in uh, having access to higher education and that it, uh, it's kind of expensive and so forth. And, and maybe uh, they could be, uh, you could help prepare them better for, uh, you know, being ready to do the job. Um, can, 
Can you talk a little bit about, uh, can tech solve these problems? I mean, what do you think for higher, for higher education? Yeah, I, I think it has a, it can't solve all the problems, but it can actually make it much more less expensive to solve the problems. Because then at the end of the day, we need the right innovators to kind of scale these you know, products and services. But what I see is that there are two sides to it. There's an access side, there's a quality side of things, right? The access side, I think the cost is reducing, right? As more and more colleges, universities, high schools are making online or digital versions of their courseware offering, because of these are driven by technology, the cost is reducing right now. So we are hearing about, you know, degrees used to cost like thirty, forty thousand dollars Now we have like $10,000 options. Now you can get a certification in a MOOC for like maybe a couple of hundred bucks. And you're getting some, you know, kind of credentials at a much lower cost, may not be the same quality. So I think that problem is already getting solved and it has been solved to a large extent, especially using technology, uh, especially using online or digital technologies. I think the real challenge though is on the quality side right now, because, you know, traditionally, you know, in higher education, right? I mean, there is enough research out there, enough polls out there where people are not seeing enough value in higher education, especially in K-12, that might be the case in some cases where parents and students are not saying, okay, why would I want to go to a school? Maybe I just do it homeschooling. Like maybe I can do it myself, right? And those kind of questions come up. And the reason is sometimes the quality is not as good or the perception of quality is not as good. So I think technology can play a big role in that area by a kind of making it easy and seamless. Like if I want, if I'm in a class and I want to get access to my materials, I don't have to wait and ask my teacher before the class or send him or an email. I mean, you can just log in and click one button and get access to the material. So their basic aspect of quality, which is just about access could be very easily solved. And the other part of quality, which is around higher engagement, more data around what's happening. If somebody's, if some you know students are not engaged at all, I mean, how do we know that? Yeah, the, the website knows that because that's how Facebook tracks everything we do, like that technology is already out there. Like, How do we use those kind of data points to be able to make sure that every student has a baseline level quality um, is, I think, is a bigger problem right now. And that I think that's where the technology can have a real big impact um, uh, if it's designed properly. That's awesome. It's, you know, we have this equipment around for a reason, right? <laughs> this is good. And people are using it. I mean, the whole thing is, I, I think the, the really interesting thing is that, you know, if you think about like most high schoolers or middle schoolers, you know, my daughter's like five, seven, I mean, they are using technology. They know about any cell phone more than I do. Like they know exactly what to do if they are running into a problem. Not everybody, but most kids are like that right now, right? They're already connected with the classmates. They're using, you know, discourse or some other tools. So the good news is that the users have already are used to using certain type of technologies. It's a matter of designing the, the learning experience, keeping that user in mind. And if, if you can just solve that problem, I, th I think a lot of that could be solved. Uh, I think that's, that's cool. Cause just as a side note, I mean, cause it's, it, it's interesting. Cause like the age of your, uh, your youngest daughter, actually the oldest one, I, I mean, they, they don't know what it was like before, um, before all this, this type of technology was there and, and forget the little, uh, you know, the, the modem sound, ding, 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 you know, they don't have to worry about any of that. And, you know, and, uh, you know, in this whole world of, uh, the cloud where everything it's, it's all out there. And so companies don't need to have them have expensive equipment. I mean, I'm, 
remember a time when, you know, you, you had to have this equipment in order to access and having it, you know, being able to download or being able to go out there and access it with just, you know, having something like a Chromebook or something like that. You don't even need a laptop that, uh, that is so powerful. And it just, uh, but I'm kind of jealous because it's funny them really not knowing or understanding what, <laughs> what was there before or what, where we've come from. So I think that's interesting, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think most of the, you know, kids and as well, you know, more older students, I mean, I, I think they have this, like, they are true digital natives now. That's a, that's interesting, you know, because they don't see the physical world and the digital world quite different, right? I mean, if you are having a conversation right now, or let's say, in the, you know, when I was going to school or my grad school or undergrad, I mean, my conversation was actually talking to somebody in person, like I'll make an appointment, go and see them. We'll discuss something specific and that's a conversation. But now, given a lot of that is digitally right now, and you know, that's their real world. And and I think that's the world we are living in. So I, I think we just have to keep that in mind as we are designing these experiences because anything which is more complicated than that or it just replicates the whole world in a digital sense is not going to work because because they're truly digital native. So I think that is why I, I kind of see this you know, really trying to understand the modern learner and kind of their behavior uh, and kind of really hacking into their like psychology to be able to design those learning experiences are super important right now. You, you are so right. <laughs> Especially because, you know, it's just a side note. I've challenged myself to, to, to at least, I've told a couple of my friends, I said, whatever you do, don't let me be someone who goes, no, I click the button. Is that what I do? <laughs> you know, because um, I, uh, you know, I like the fact that the podcast helps keep me up and in the in a little bit more current world, and uh, I I constantly am pushing myself to learn different technologies that go wrong with it. And uh, but you're so right about you know they're these digital natives; they think differently, they problem solve differently. Because we might go to the <laughs> go to the past to to come forward to figure out the you know what we're dealing with in the present. And uh, no, they're already there; they're <laughs> beyond that. So good stuff. I. You know, we're getting close to, to finishing up, uh, Shonak. And, and before we before we close, I got to get you to do this first. Can you do like uh, one more, um, you know, explanation of why uh, the listeners should uh, make sure they give Yellow Dig a look? Yeah. So, no, if you are a student, which you are kind of going through the whole, you know, high school or middle school experience or early childhood, and if you're listening to this podcast, I mean, you know, you want to figure out ways to be more, uh, make your learning more exciting and fun so that you are actually engaged with your classmates better. So take a look at Yellow Dig. And if you like it, just, you know, tell your teacher to take a look at us. And if you're teaching right now, you know, school or university, or, you know, you're connected with this whole teaching ecosystem, I think, you know, one thing that we are doing right now is to try to make learning more social, active and engaging. And as a result, more experiential so that we are not just learning on our own. And I think that's, there's a big need right now um, so, you know, we are one of those companies that are working with schools and we, we are now happy to have over a hundred universities, which have signed up with us and scaling with us. Um, so, you know, we, we can learn more at our website. It's uh, yellowdig.co. Um, and if you want to get in touch with us, you know, you will find a way to get in touch with us. There are various ways in the website, or you can easily find me in LinkedIn. I, I kind of hang out in LinkedIn a lot. So Shauna Croy, if you search me, you should find me and send me a message. I'd love to connect. Excellent. And I will have those links in the, in the show notes so they can reach out to you and uh, go to your website as well. Cool stuff. So before we 
finish up, I've got two last questions that I just like to ask my guests. And uh, the first one goes like this. If you have so much going on that you become overwhelmed, I mean, how do you overcome the desire to quit? <laughs> well, it's life and entrepreneur, right? I mean, it's just like uh, pushing through what anybody else, I would say. I mean, my, my trick to that is always uh, trying to find a purpose. You know, I have worked for a bunch of years for big companies and I know how it is, you know, loving your work is so difficult and easy to quit. Uh, but I think with Yellow Day, and one thing I try to focus on is to kind of really find a purpose, like why am I doing this, which is interesting and connects me to my long-term vision. So that keeps me going, you know, difficult times. And we, of course, run into lots of difficult times uh, running a company. Um, so that's my trick. So keep having a purpose, I, I, I would say, is a very important thing. Whatever is your kind of interest, um, I don't know if that's a good answer, but that's kind of how my, my thing is. Oh, that's a great answer. I love it. Thank you. I, last question. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given a chance to say thank you? Well, I mean, I have many, many teachers. Um, you know, I, I went to a really good, I was lucky enough, right? I grew up a very average middle-class family, but I was lucky enough to get into IIT Bombay, which is like tremendous institution, really smart teachers. And went to MIT, really, really smart teachers over there. So I learned a lot, but I think I was thinking about it. I mean, I, I would say that, you know, um, I would say my, I would kind of give a different answer to this. Like, you know, I would say my peers are probably my biggest teacher which is one of the reasons I was interested in, you know, starting Yellow Day, because I always felt that I learn as much, if not more from some of my peers who I was kind of build a relationship over the years. If I look back, like the, the reason I decided to come to the U S and do my masters is because of my small group of peers that kind of motivated me every day to kind of do my best and kind of do what we have to do. Same goes when I was getting into my undergrad in India, in IIT, it's a very competitive exam to get into it, but you know, it so happens in high school and middle school, I kind of found my tribe through kind of being out there and kind of they were motivating and we were, you know, exchanging notes all the time and learning with one another. Um, I, I, I would say that, you know, my biggest learning has probably happened from my peer group, even though I had lucky enough to have lots of really good teachers over the years. That's a great answer. I love it. I love it. Good stuff. Sean, it, it was awesome talking with you. I mean, thanks so much for talking with me about uh, Yellow Dig and the future of education and, and how they get involved in uh, all this other cool stuff about technology. I mean, this was a cool dive into, you know, how technology can be helpful for all of us. And I, I appreciate it. Uh, wishing you the very best in all you do. Thanks a lot, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio. Your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.